Radio. This is Extra Time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, where over the next hour or so, we'll be discussing the biggest stories from the Thames Valley and beyond. I'm Will Taylor and joining me tonight is Ben Green, so stay tuned for another episode of Extra Time. This week we talk promotion revival for Wickham Wanderers, as well as some worrying form for Reading and some poor results from Maidenhead United. We'll also be discussing some all of Manchester United's recent form and, of course, our offside opinion. All that and much more to come on this week's Extra Time. Good evening and welcome to Extra Time with myself, Will Taylor and Ben Green. I tell you what, I always love the way that show starts because it's an absolute anthem, that, in it? The, what the oh. menu is like, it's an unbelievable tune. None better. None better. Really? That's a huge There's statement. nothing yeah. that gets you more excited for a football-related radio show <laughs> than that song. I did think you're bouncing around the studio is a bit odd, mate, but there we go. What can you do? Um, no, thank you very much for joining me, Ben. This is, of course, Extra Time, the resident football show here on River Radio. Before we get started, I, do, I just want to say, as I said last week, contrary to popular belief, the show is not all about us, is it, Ben? It's not. Uh, obviously not. Oh, clearly not. I mean, clearly. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you maybe thought it was before I said that, but uh, we'd of course lovely love to hear from you listening as well. You can get in touch with us via Twitter at River Radio Live or drop us an email at studio at river radio. As always, we've got plenty to get stuck into this week. A very busy week for our constituent clubs as well as the wider world of football. We'll get into that more specifically later. But English football. As a whole, at the minute, Ben, it's just an absolute delight to watch, right from the very top tier to the very bottom, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I always I feel find... like something's happening in every league, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, especially the EFL. It yeah. is so exciting every single season, isn't it? Like, especially when you get past the January, February time and you can see those playoffs getting closer. I mean, the playoffs for me is the most exciting thing in English I think the, I think the Premier missing a trick with no oh, playoff system. Can you imagine they? the playoffs for the Champions League? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what, like third down to eight or something like that? Yeah. Oh, having, that's a welcome chat. Final at Wembley. Oh. <laughs> For that last spot. There'd oh. be nothing better. No, no, that would be unbelievable, actually. Maybe we need to... Should we get on the phone? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've got a few of the numbers over yeah. there, haven't we? So. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah, yeah. Only the very best contact <laughs> here, time, isn't it? Uh, but no, I mean, especially the Premier League. I mean, we'll, 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 we're going to touch on Man United specifically later. Uh, but the, the Premier League as a whole, I mean, like I think we said this a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember a season where... You know, we're getting into March now. When we're getting later into March, everything's still pretty fairly open, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, look, a few months ago, we were thinking, okay, the title, ha- the, the title race, the title <laughs> race is all done. Um, but obviously, Liverpool have come back into it. They're looking very strong, and the relegation battle for me is one of the most exciting it's Wide been open, in yeah. recent years. So, a few weeks ago, you, you would have said, okay, Brentford, Leeds might have enough. Newcastle were going down, and now it's changed. And that <laughs> Newcastle even, definitely aren't going yeah, down. Yeah, Newcastle were more than safe. And then you're looking at the likes of Burnley, you know, they look like they could be clawing themselves out of it. Watford still have a chance. Norwich are somehow still in it. <laughs> you know, yeah, the Premier League is, is very exciting this year. Uh, Everton in dire straits as oh, well, which is horrible. Isn't there, isn't there some sort of issue as well off the pitch? Today, I've read something about was it. That, I've, I've a, I'll have to search it, but I'm certain I've, there was a potential points deduction or something. I, there's always something going on around that club, though, isn't there? Yeah. I, I do feel really sorry. I spoke to, I, spoke, I remember a few weeks ago, I spoke to an Everton fan who was, uh, who was very, very. Um, 
that they're always so positive and I, I always think it must be so hard because without with you know with all the respect in the world they are the second biggest team in the city by quite a way mm. and they've never really done that much have they do you know what I mean it's a bit of a yeah, it's, it must just the life of an Everton fan is not a saying that we support Wickham and Torquay so hardly in any percent <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like the Man City thing before they were yeah. became what they were yeah you know? it's, it's very similar isn't it I mean City, City even had some success early in like the it like you know, like in the 1920s, didn't they? But Everton, I just feel like they've always been a bit of a Navy club. But, you know, who, who knows? They might be able to... I mean, I don't think Frank Lampard will be the man to turn them around, as, as you famously said, mate. But uh, The jury's but, very much still out. Yeah, your word's not mine, mate. Your word's not mine. Uh, well, we kick off tonight's show with the latest from playoff hope for Wickham Wanderers in terms of our constituent clubs. It's been a bit of a mixed bag in recent weeks um, in terms of results for the chairboys, but their hunt for an immediate return to the championship is very much still on the cards. Two wins on the bounce, uh, the most recent recent of course which came against Crew on Saturday has seen Gareth Ainsworth's side score six goals and only concede one in reply putting them back on course for a playoff berth in the top seven of England's second tier by the end of the season sorry third tier I should say I've, I've, I've bigged you up a bit there mate haven't I um, obviously Ben there's no one else I'd rather speak to about Wickham Wanderers than yourself there really isn't um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster the last few weeks hasn't it because we were talking we spoke you know off air before about just how bad it's been but two wins on the bounce and suddenly you're back in the picture yeah, and that's that's the life of a League One football fan. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. there's never any consistency. As soon as you think you're doing well, it all changes. As soon as you think you're going down, it all changes. Mm. You know, I, I, I know when we sat there the other week, I was very upset and disappointed. However, you know as a reactionary, fan, yeah, though, isn't yeah, it? yeah, and you, and you know it's going to change. You know that you are going to win games again, and you're going to go on a good run. It's just whether you can put together enough wins to get you a some you know cement your space in the playoffs. Because the problem I think we're going to have is putting together five or six wins mm. we can put together two, two or three together, it's yeah it? getting yeah. that big run together because like you've seen we've not played last night and we're back out the playoffs and our next game is against top of the league <laughs> yeah. it doesn't get any easier so any harder sorry actually yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know it's I was going to say I thought you sounded a bit overconfident <laughs> against Robert <laughs> <laughs> Top of the league, easy. Yeah. No, um, it is the sort of game you win, though. You will, you it, like it, w- it. Wouldn't shock you if you'd have lost a crew and beat Rotherham, would it? Classic Wickham, classic Wickham. <laughs> it really is. I mean, just just in terms of that crew result, then, and, and and both of them actually, as well as the Cambridge one. How big could those two wins be? They, do you think those they're two games that you could look back at the end of the season if you're in the playoffs and go, that was a, almost a bit of a turning point that that we ground out those results. Yeah, if we put together a run now for the end of the season, you have to look at Cambridge as a, especially as a one where we changed the style of play and we overcame you know six games without a win and got a really solid victory at home. Um, obviously, any time you win a game, we'll ask the question: Oh, could that be a pivotal result come the end of the season? Um, but no. like, uh, if there was a tally for that over the course of this season on this show, I'd love to hear it. every time we can win. Um, but no, I, I, I think the performances have been good. I, I've seen, I watched the full highlights now on on the Wanderers TV app. You can watch the whole game. Mm. So even if you're not at the game, I wasn't there on Saturday. I could watch the whole game back and. Again, it was a tough pitch. I didn't realise your commission, mate. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just free plug for yeah. you. Um, but no, I mean, it was it was a terrible pitch. You couldn't really play football, but mm. we tried. And also, you know, the main man, Sam Vokes, another mm. goal. And he, and since the turn of the year, he he's been on absolute fire. Worth his weight in gold, isn't he? I mean, is there anything to be made of the fact? Obviously, with with no disrespect to those clubs, I know you'd struggled against teams that maybe weren't up the top end of the table. But obviously, Crew are in a horrific. I mean, they're they're in League Two next season, essentially, yeah. aren't they? I mean, it's a, it's a real, real sort of dire straits situation for them. Cambridge, I've surprised people how well they've done, but admittedly, aren't ripping up any trees. Is there anything to be made of that? Like to sort of take it, take the results with a pinch of salt, slightly from your perspective? Yeah, I mean. 
mean, look, Crew are almost almost the Peterborough of League One. <laughs> you know, they're really poor for the division, and you know they're just not up to standard. And continued hatred well, of Peterborough gets like me every weekly, single time. A weekly running yeah. thing. You have to I have to get the dig in yeah. there. But no, <laughs> Crew are a poor side. But Cambridge, you know, they're mid table. They've got um, a good striking iron side. who has got quite a few goals. Mm. Obviously, they beat Newcastle famously. Mm. So no, that was a very solid victory. I think at this stage of the season, even if you are playing team bottom of the league away from home. There's no guarantee you're going to get a result. And, you know, just because you beat them at home or just because you've been up the top of the table for the whole season, you can't go in with that mindset. So clearly Gareth prepared the players correctly and the players, you could tell by the performance, took them seriously. And the crew have still got some good players. Chris Porter, even though he's like 38 at this stage, (laughs) he still scored. So, no, I, I think, yeah, okay, it's only crew. But it's still another three points. You can only beat what's in front of you as well. Exactly. At the end of the day, I, th- I think that that is worth remembering. Is um, obviously scoring six goals is great, and you like you said, Sam folks back amongst the goals, which is brilliant to see. Do, do you think obviously because the defence has been incredibly leaky of recent weeks? Mm. I remember you saying there was like fullbacks playing at centre half positions, a, a bit of a mix and match of matching defence. You know mm. what I mean? And I'm surprised they didn't get you into play at a couple of stages, oh, mate. Well, you know, towering centre half. So. <laughs> That's the first time someone's ever <laughs> described me as that. But you know. exactly. Um, but was was the biggest thing at Perhaps not, not scoring six goals, but actually only conceded one and, and obviously keeping a clean sheet as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, you know, Wickham have scored a lot of goals in this bad run. <laughs> you know, we scored yeah. five goals and we didn't win the game <laughs> yeah. against Cheltenham. So I don't think scoring goals has been a problem all season. Wickham has scored 61 goals this year, which actually, if you compare that to previous Wickham seasons, we've scored a lot of goals. You mm. know, I think the last time we were in League One, we scored 45 or there or thereabouts, uh, maybe two games less. So no, we're scoring goals this year. It's just the, the other the other end. And like you said, having having Anthony Stewart come back, back in, Ryan Taff has only played on the weekend. Mm. David Stockdale maybe getting over that slight sort of worrying turn of form that he was in. And ultimately, there are experienced players. You know, Jordan Obita's pushing 30. Anthony Stewart's pushing 30. Ryan Tafazoli's over 30. Like, they are good players, experienced players. And they know that when the going gets tough and when there's a, a, a tough stage of the season where you need to almost batten down the hatches, it, it seems like that the penny's dropped and there's going to be no more silly mistakes. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think ultimately as well, it's worth remembering that, you know, again, with the most respect to Wickham, the, the sort of players you'd be looking at to, to, to win League One or, or be up in that thing, that there are obviously huge clubs at that level that are just going to attract the very, very top players, aren't they? So you, you're always going to be sort of, in, in terms of that, that top seven or eight, you're going to be picking up sort of the best of the rest. And you seem to have done that in an incredible way, especially, I mean, Sam Boak's obviously being a key sign of it, but I think overall, I think that the recruitment is, has been such a key part of it yeah I mean look look at the likes of for example David Stockdale he wasn't wanted by several clubs mm. I think Birmingham he hadn't played for a couple of seasons he comes to us and becomes our number one Jordan Obita you know, a solid player for Reading everyone knows him mm. as a good player but yeah. he's had a couple bad injuries and, and I think he went to Oxford and was only there for six months so clearly Oxford didn't think a lot of him and he's come to us and become a, a really solid left Gareth back. McCleary as well. Gareth McCleary's another one. Yeah. Oxford turned him down. You know, Oxford oh, fan, by the way, as a, as, a, as a kid. You know, they turned him down. So, yeah, Wickham have a habit of it. I think it's what one of Ainsworth's best traits is finding these gems, these hidden gems or players that aren't wanted. Like he said, Sam Vokes. The amount of Stoke fans that were berating Sam Vokes and were absolutely delighted that he left the club. And saying to Wickham fans, you know, oh, you don't know what you've signed. Euros semi finalist, hey, yeah, by the way. Yeah, let's he had a great forget. tournament as well. Didn't let's he? not forget this guy. This guy scored, got to double figures once in the Premier League. Yeah, so he's a, he's a good striker, and he's proved it. That okay, 
sometimes at this level you're going to go through dips in form and maybe he doesn't get the same amount of chances that he used to get and so yeah, okay, he's not going to get you 30 goals. But, but, but you, you, I remember you saying, though, Wickham strikers don't get 30 no, goals. It's no, not, they how, don't. not how it works, is it? I think Which is incredible with the amount of goals you've scored lately. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's, he's on 12. Yeah. So come the end of the season, if he ends, you know, about 15 to 20, I think that's a, that's a brilliant return, mm. by the way. I think that'd be a brilliant return for Sam Vokes. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think you're right. Looking forward then, obviously, to, to Saturday, you take on the league leaders, the, the big dogs. Like I said, I think they're like the, the t- sort of... The, the, they're, they're somehow they're a bit like Norwich aren't they but the, the League 1 and Championship version mm. they're, they're consistently probably too good for League 1 never good enough for the Championship it seems to be sort of a revolving door from them doesn't it it is just an incredibly tough game for you though isn't it yeah I mean look, it's, it, Rotherham always interesting to me because they've never impressed me when we've played really them. that's really no, interesting I've never been yeah. I've never looked at them if you look at the League table right they've only conceded 21 goals mm. You know, that's that's a very, very strong defence. But when we've played them, I mean, we drew 0-0 at the start of the season, but we had the better chances. And Rotherham didn't really seem to appear much of a threat. Bear in mind, they've, they have scored 62 goals and their goal difference is, is 41. You'd think they'd be very potent in attack and very tough at the back. And I, I don't know, I, I just think it's a tough game. But for Rotherham, for me, it's there's not that fear factor. For whatever reason, in my head, there's not the fear factor of the Sunderlands or the Oxfords or, or the Wiggins um, because when I've seen them in recent seasons I just haven't haven't seen much of a threat um, obviously Paul Warren's a very good manager yeah. and he's done a very good job there and they've got some good players I know Michael Smith's scored a lot of goals this season you've got Barlazer who's he's, he's such a journeyman isn't he Michael Smith oh, the lower leagues yeah. like he's just he's a classic league one striker but he he's scored quite a few goals this year I just think the reason Wickham and Rotherham, or maybe the, the reason Wickham don't tend to struggle as much against Rotherham is because they're similar teams. Yeah, Rotherham go long ball as well. They can play football, but ultimately they're similar teams where they're physical. They look to get it into the strikers quickly. And a game where the other team aren't necessarily dominating the ball, if Wickham don't concede too many chances, you fancy them to win the game because ultimately the games where Wickham have, have been soundly beaten like Wigan they only had 20% possession mm. and you, you're going to be conceding way too many chances but against Rotherham in the games we've had it's always been 50-50 possession and always a very even game so even though I should be sitting here very concerned I'm actually quietly confident Is, is it one of those like, I know MK Dons might be a slightly bad example because they, they seem to be doing incredibly mm. but MK Dons don't, nas- don't necessarily suit Wickham in the way that they play do you know mm. what I mean they, they will come out and, and attack you in a slightly different way than, than Rotherham will is it one of those where you'd actually probably rather play a Rotherham than a team in around the playoffs that will cause you more problems Yeah I mean if there's there's obviously certain teams that you, you struggle against Ipswich we've, we've struggled against a lot in recent seasons and they like to play football mm. they've got very quick strikers I think Rotherham are a bit more direct they haven't necessarily got the pace and I think against Wickham's back four that maybe you could say isn't the quickest it's probably a good thing that they're going to mm. go long ball Ryan Tafazoli is pushing 6-6 six, six. Anthony Stewart's a, a big man I'll take it but I don't think you'd have got at the back of them actually I don't think you're getting that battle I mean you're tall but you're not that tall are you? yeah not quite <laughs> no but, but that, yeah I mean I, I think that, I think that's exactly it I mean ultimately then I mean if, if you do win that game is it, is it a position? I mean, is is it a position? Then it's in your hands. Do you think to, to go on and and win? Because it's not only just getting in the playoffs, isn't it? It's putting yourself in a good position and going in with good momentum. That's two such important things of the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think it. Put, it don't I don't think it puts it in our hands because if you look at the table, we're still a few points off other mm. teams, and we've only got one game in hand 
um, on a couple of the teams, but then Plymouth are above us and they've got a game in hand on us. So I don't, I don't, I'm not sure one win would cement our place because mm. let's not forget Wickham were 20 points clear. Yeah, I mean, I, I, what I meant more, in more sense, sorry, was just that if you can beat a team like that, yeah, does that uh, give you more confidence going into 100%. it? 100%. Beating a big team at home, which is something we haven't done a lot this season, mm. I think Oxford's the only one out of the top six I can see we've beaten at home. Mm-hmm. And that's a poor stat. That's yeah. a worrying stat. Yeah. Um, but no, that'd be three wins on the bounce. You know, that'd be closing the gap on the teams above. You'd be also extending that gap on teams below you that we've currently got games on hand. So yeah, it'd be a massive confidence boost. And you know that if you beat Rotherham, that sends a message out to other teams. Like, does, okay, yeah. Wickham are over that blip. Yeah, and, and they're ready. To I, th- go. I think I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? It's claiming that sort of that yeah. sort of form back and claiming that authority back from the rest of the league, almost, isn't it? It's it's, it's a really interesting one, and um, we, we certainly do wish Wickham the very best of luck in that game when they take on Rotherham United at Adams Park. Then Fleetwood just a few days later as well. Both those games being at Adams Park. We hopefully, you know, we're hoping Ben can come back to the studio. Very happy boy. <laughs> the next time he's here, uh, we're going to swap bucks for Berkshire now. Though, and turn our attention to the rest of our constituent clubs. Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. The Football Show on River Radio. This is Extra Time. Welcome back to Extra Time on River Radio, covering football stories from the Thames Valley and beyond. Next up, we're sticking with some local football and turning our attention to the fortunes of Reading's men's side and their continuing relegation battle at the bottom of the championship table. Two defeats on the spin for Paul Ince's side have left Reading just five points from safety after both Derby and Barnsley have hit a rich vein of form. That wasn't helped on Saturday when Paul Ince's side fell to a 1-0 defeat at at home to Millwall at the SEL after Jake Cooper's first half goal was enough to separate the sides. This coupled with the fact that Paul Ince then refused to speak to the media after the game shows some worrying signs for the Royals lately, especially looking at their next three fixtures where they take on promotion hopefuls Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth and Blackburn before then playing Barnsley at home at the start of April. Ben, given sort of how tough those next three are, I know we're looking a bit far forward for Reading. How huge could that Barnsley game be? Oh, absolutely massive. I remember saying to you about a week ago that Barnsley are the, are the team now that are going to be challenging them. I know Derby are still there, but... They picked up a win, but, didn't they, as yeah, well? Yeah, and, and you know, again, they're both, they're both five points behind. The difference is that Derby have had that game in hand. Mm. So you always feel like Reading have got that extra three points on Derby. Barnsley have come out of nowhere. For me, mm. I mean, they were rock bottom of the championship. Bet dead and buried, weren't dead they? Dead and buried. But suddenly they've, they've seemed to have turned the form. I don't really know how or why, what the reason is. You'd have to speak to a Barnsley fan. So I've, I've seen things though, and they've, they've not actually changed anything. I think it just it's just come good all of a sudden. Just, you know? just clicked. They, they lost Alex Mowat, didn't they, to, yeah. to West Brom. I think that was such a loss. And, and obviously Valencia as well, who, who was the who was the, who was their manager that got them in the playoffs last season. So, I mean, that's that's obviously part to be taken. But that could just be monumental, couldn't it? That could be the de-relegation six-pointer almost. Yeah, I mean, you look at that game if Barnsley win they go they go two points behind Reading that's without the next three as well you don't know what could happen yeah exactly those, so you, so. They, they could be two points behind at that stage mm. you know even if they're six winning that game psychologically like we just said with Wickham if they beat Rotherham mm. if Barnsley beat Reading it's almost like, okay we've got one over you now mm. we're the better team we're going to get out of this and you're not if Reading win that game that extra three points it's almost is massive. safe, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's, it could be that big. I mean, the thing is, you worry that in those next three games, I'm not 100% sure who, who Barnsley have got, but even if they pick up a point, because I just can't see Reading picking up anything there between the, of those next those next three. Forest look brilliant. Bournemouth, I know, have been faltering, but but they're, you know, they're, they're not brilliant. And Blackburn, obviously, they're, they seem to be going well as well, struggling a little bit about Brereton Diaz, but... 
Well, uh, you look at Barnsley's next three Go games, they've, they've got Fulham coming up, which, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's count that as a defeat. Yeah, yeah, that's a defeat. Then they've got Bristol City at home. See, that's winnable, though, isn't it? That's, that's a winnable thing. fixture. Yeah. But then they've got Sheffield United away, and that's another tough game. That's, that's, but there's a, there's, there's more, I, I see that more likely to get points out of than Reading's yeah. next three. Do you know what and I mean? That, that's the problem. It's hard to speculate about these things, isn't it, all at, at the same time? But, I mean, I, we're writing Reading off to three defeats there. there, there have you, do you think there's been improvements from the side? Obviously, 4-1 against Blackpool, 1-0 to Millwall in a game that, from, from the sounds of things, could have gone either way. Is, are there improvements to be taken, or is it almost at this stage of the season, it doesn't matter how you're playing, if you're not winning games, it's not good enough? Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure we can we can say Redden are any better or any worse mm. since Paul Lintz came in. You know, they got that win against Birmingham, but losing 4-1... He wasn't really in charge for that, though, was exactly. he? Exactly, and, uh... and that's the thing. Losing 4-1 to, to Blackpool is, is a very disappointing result. I know Blackpool have been pretty consistent this season, actually surprisingly so. I'm very impressed at how they're doing. Um, but to lose at home to Millwall on, on Saturday, I, I don't really think we can sit here and say that Redden have actually... Improved, yeah, and that's the concern. Really, yeah. Is usually a manager comes in and gets a little bounce. We've yeah. said it countless times where they come in, they get three or four wins, and that could see him through. And we did say with Paul, if he comes in and gets three or four wins, that could see him through. But he hasn't done it yet. No, no. And I, th- I think well, I was speaking to Benji Nurik, obviously at the Reading Chronicle, and he was saying how uh, Panovic had this very sort of lackadaisical sort mm. of uh, ethos around the, around the changing room where you rocked in at a certain time. And it's just very un-English way of doing things, and that's that's not in a bad way to Poundovic, yeah. but it's do you know what I mean? And and Inter sort of sort of nailed his colour to the mask with how he's dealing with things. It just doesn't seem to have made that much of a difference. It looked okay for the for the first couple of results, didn't it? But that's so far from how how it looks now. Like they're in a real they're in real danger. Yeah, and the thing the thing you have to consider as well is Reading have been in that position of twenty twenty first for so long that psychologically, if they were to fall into the bottom three, you have to wonder what it would do. Yeah, you know. When you've been hanging on for that long, keeping the keeping yeah. the um, arms distance, almost at the end of your jab, right, and then you get knocked down and you're in that bottom three, can you get back out of it? Mm. Because that team that's overtaking you have suddenly they finally caught up with you after months and months mm. of trying. If imagine if it's Derby after it, months I, I and months think, of it, clawing it two, away. Was it two seasons ago? Barnsley did it when they 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 only spent twelve days out the bottom three and then. The yep. last game of the season clawed themselves out, wasn't it? Or something ridiculous. Yeah, or well, even, the, even the season Wickham, yeah. when, when Torquay went down, yeah, yeah. Wickham spent, I think, two weeks outside of yeah. the... the until, that lot, until that final day, yeah, yeah exactly. So, so yeah, it's, it's just crazy how it can happen. I mean, I, I, I sort of thought this, I sort of thought about this earlier. Did you think Paul Innes maybe realised the magnitude of the job before he took it on? Because it seems like that just... This this is if Paul Ince and Reading get relegated, this is very much probably it for Paul Ince's managerial career, isn't it? But wouldn't I mean I thought Paul Ince was done anyway. Yeah, he hasn't yeah, managed for so long that can you really be pick, picking and choosing where you go at that stage? Yeah, you know, yeah. I feel like Paul Ince was a very big name ten years ago in the, you know, as a new manager. Mm. I remember the MK Dons thing and mm. Blackburn Blackpool, and people were rating him as a good manager. Now he, he suddenly disappeared off the face of the earth. He's done more commentary, mm. and maybe he's felt like, okay, this is a last ditch attempt. If it doesn't go well, it doesn't go well. Mm. I can go back to what I was doing. If it does go well, well, then I get to be a manager again. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah. I actually think it's a kind of a free hit for him. Obviously, I think it's a it's a massive risk for Reading, mm. and I was a bit surprised when they appointed a man that's not been in management for so I, long. I struggled to see who else would have taken it, though, mate. That's the thing, isn't it? Maybe so, but you know, if you're going to sack a manager, you've got to bring in someone that's going to do a mm. better job. Mm. And for me, and they couldn't necessarily afford to sack the manager they had either. No, it was very much a mutual exactly. thing. Exactly, and I just felt for me that 
was Paul Ince an improvement on what they had? Well, all will be left to be designed, won't it? We'll see over the next three games exactly what will happen. They're a tough run for the men's side there. And unfortunately, that isn't where the similarities end for Reading as the women's side are now winless in four after three consecutive losses to Brighton, West Ham in the FA Cup quarterfinal and Arsenal followed up by a nil-nil draw with Spurs this weekend. That drags them down to sixth place as well. They face Man United this Sunday, Ben, to try and claw sort of any hope of a top three finish back it's, it's a bit too much to ask isn't it they 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 went on a great run but it's sort of they, they've come crashing back down to earth a little bit yeah and you, you have to remember what reading women are and mm. compare you know you can't get carried away and just because at the start of the season the expectation was lower you, you have to remember what that was at the start of the season mm. i remember we spoke about maidenhead and said oh they could get 15th let's remember what the expectation was at the start yeah. of the season okay and there's some very big teams compared to reading there they've done brilliantly to do what they're doing they're sixth but if you asked a Reading fan at the start of the season, okay, you're going to finish sixth, would they take it? When and if yeah. They, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean and, and United on Saturday is such a big game that they could claw themselves back into it. They're not out of it, but it's just being grounded is almost a, a worth its weight in gold, isn't it? Yeah, and I think if I was a, if a Reading player, the pressure's off. You know, mm. you've already you've already done so well this far in this season. There's mm. no pressure. If There's you no do... harm in losing to, to Arsenal. Exactly. Either, is that, you know, no, the, exactly. The incredible you know, side. Miedemar's a hell of a yeah. striker. <laughs> yeah. But no, there's no pressure. There's no if if Reading don't get that top three, no one's going to be looking like oh you're failures. You're not no. good enough. We're going to no. They're, they're going to be thinking okay, you've done so well just to push it that far. Mm. And so I think I think that, you know there shouldn't be any pressure on the, on those girls to to go and get a result. And that should hopefully. Well, like I was going to say, mm. hopefully lead them to perform better. You'd like to mm. think, okay, the pressure's off. Go and do what you you got to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's important as well, though, isn't it? It's not to not just take this as a one hits thing and, and mm. be excited about it, but to actually build on it going forward to, to next season and beyond. Yeah, like we said with Maidenhead as well, that if you can finish the season strongly, it builds for the next season. If Redden can cement their place, maybe sixth, even maybe fourth or fifth, mm. you know, finish above Man City or Tottenham. Imagine that. Huge, yeah. The confidence that will give the club going into next and season. And the, the draw for players as well. Yeah, a player will look at that. You know, there's some big teams below them. There could be players that they could nab Because it wasn't teams. that long ago, was it, um, you know, the, the Spurs were attracting the very best of the, the Americans women game. It was Alex Morgan, wasn't it, yeah. came over. Yeah, so yeah. If, if, if they could be attracted by that, then why can't Reading go out and, and get the best of the best as well? Yeah, so I mean, so to maybe counteract what I just said, maybe the pressure is on because yeah. <laughs> as a club, you want to cement that space because you know what it could no, but, do but I don't think seasons. they're going to finish any any worse off than sixth for the rest of the season really are they if you look at no that. no I mean yeah I'd be surprised if it, if it fell away that badly mm. you know obviously the teams below them have got to string a few wins together mm. to get ahead of them mm. so no I think the aim should be to cement where we are consolidate that place mm-hmm. maybe push up the table if we can but if we don't we know that we're going to be in a better position for next season well, Reading women will be looking to claim a bit of a scalp when they place Man United this Sunday to, to try and claw, obviously, that hope of a top three finish back. Sticking with Berkshire and some negative results for Maidenhead lately has seen them pick up only one point from their last three games, losing losing out to strugglers Weldstone last night at York Road and sharing the spoils with a nil-nil classic against Ultringham on Saturday. That's not, not one for the neutral, I don't think. Um, I caught up with their assistant manager, Ryan Peters, earlier today um, and started out by asking him exactly what went wrong last night. Uh, intensity, I think for the, actually for the first 10 minutes we were okay. Um, the intensity and desire seems to be there. But for some unknown reason, with his tiredness, um, a, a number of games in a short period of time, we just lost the urgency to press, lost the urgency to be in political phases and put them under pressure, and essentially that's told in the end. It's, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Especially with, with how well you were playing against some, some, really, some real teams at the top of the table. Is, does, that, does that make results like that even more disappointing? 
Yeah, I think so. And I don't necessarily think it's a physical thing. I think it's more mental. Um, and I mean, absolutely no disrespect to Willstone. It's almost like mentally you get yourself up for games like Chesterfields, like your Exons. And maybe we were expecting something to happen that will spark a sense of life when you come to a good place. Uh, and, and clubs like Woodstone. Um We're made that we know exactly what we need to be at every single time we play someone. So it's, um, it's a little bit upsetting to uh, in the manner in which we lost this today. It's, like, it's, it's interesting you mentioned it because that's obviously only one point from the last three now. After such a great run, like you said, against those great teams, is that is that quite hard to take for you, for you guys sort of managing the team? Um, it's frustrating. Like, we know where we are. We know there's going to be periods of indifference this happens to be another period of indifference when you look at the team that we played and not managed to pick up any points from it. Um, but we did have a really, really good purple patch where we went on and had a fantastic run. So we know we can do that again. Um, we are nowhere near where we need to be at this moment in time to be, to be well clear of that zone. So we know we've got to do more and we're going to need another purple patch uh, to get us through to the end of the season. Definitely. I mean, King, the Kingsland game, of course, showed that you, that you can score goals. Josh Kelly at his best in that one. They've dried up a little bit recently. Obviously, and sort of, I think it was one over the last three. Is that is that sort of a, a concern? Or, and why do you think that is? Not a concern. Um, essentially, the way we play, uh, we depend on Josh Kelly as much as he depends on us. And when we're not our best, it limits his chances. He's still working really, really hard for the team. He's gone back to his brilliant basics when things aren't working for him. And now it's just a case of finding that one chance that will get him back on the score sheet again. He's not, he's not low on confidence. If he gets a sniff of that, that goal, he will take it. Definitely. I mean, the, the, the other thing is, obviously, that, that incredible run saw you sort of navigate yourselves away from the relegation zone. Um, so to an extent, it's, it seems to be quite a gap between, between you and those sides now. And, and those, those sides sort of do seem to be cutting, uh, be cut adrift a little bit, I should say. Um, is, is, it, is it sort of like a tough task to then motivate the lads, knowing that, you know, although maybe not mathematically, you, you're pretty theoretically safe from relegation? Uh, no, not, no, not at all. Um, one thing is making sure that we are mathematically clear of relegation, and we're not yet, so we have to keep pushing. But also, we don't want to finish where, we're, where it seems like essentially we could finish, which is 90. We don't want that. We want to finish as high as we possibly can. The goal was always the season to try and finish the highest we have finished, which I think was 12. That still isn't out of the question. In fact, if we had won these last three games, we would have been there or thereabouts. So... We're still aiming for that target, and essentially, we don't want to be the team that finishes just above the relegation zone. We want to try and finish in that middle group. So there's still lots and lots to do. Of course, there's a lot of it about sort of building for next season as well. There's obviously players that, that have come in and done such an important job for you, and players that you were keen to keep a hold of. Uh, is a lot of what the players are doing now sort of building towards next season and 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 sort of playing for contracts as, as well, I suppose. Yeah, I agree. Um, most of our contracts are yearly; they're not two or three years like some other big clubs can do. So essentially, the boys are playing for their future. Um, there are some fringe players that are going to want a, a, a deal for next year as well. So when that chance arises, you have to make sure that you take it. Um, the gaff was really, really loyal to the squad anyway, so he knows what he'll get from them. But when you finish where you finish, you know you need to improve. Um, the league isn't going to get any easier, so we have to make sure that we keep improving with it. Definitely. Ryan, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. No worries. That's Ryan Peters there, Bonehead United's assistant manager and all-round top bloke as well. He is. He's a lovely, lovely fella. Uh, always gives, gives us time. His time here on Extra Time, which is very much appreciated. We certainly wish him and the best of luck, um, and Maidenhead the best of luck in returning to winning ways this weekend when they face managerless Woking. A great, a weird, very strange story I saw about this, by the way, Ben. That they sacked long, long-standing manager Alan Dowson last week with just a 20-second phone call. 
right? He's been there three and a half years, taking him up from the National League South. How that doesn't get much that's, much more disrespectful than that. That's, that's disgusting. And I have to say as well, Woking were very impressive in the one game I've yeah, seen. Yeah, all right. Talk let's, to we don't need to talk about. That's fine. That's fine. We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Um, but it will be. That's that's what I mean. It will make it very interesting to see how uh, they prepare for their game against the Cards on Saturday. We're going to turn our attentions to hot topic now, though. Um, a little bit broader than the Ten Valleys and discuss the biggest stories across the country. The Football Show on River Radio. This is Extra Time. Welcome back. You're listening to Extra Time here on River Radio. Remember, if you want to get in touch or have your say about any of the constituent clubs or indeed our hot topic, you can tweet us at River Radio Live or send an email to studio at river.radio. This week's hot topic section sees us turn our attention to Manchester, where off the back of rather one of a rather one-sided Manchester derby this weekend, I should say, we're looking into the divide between the clubs and exactly what's gone wrong for the Red Devils recently, and even if they can get into the top four this year. I'm very delighted to say we're joined on the line now by Tom Pickering, Manchester United fan from Very Biased Opinions, who we've had on the show before. Tom, how are you? Oh God, I'm still trying to get over the weekend. <laughs> I did think you looked a bit sad when you came on, mate. I didn't know if that was if that was my face or it was it was Manchester United. That's the problem. <laughs> you know, you get the invitation to come on and talk about something. Oh, really? Cool. It's like, yeah. Can you can you talk to us about Man United? You're like, oh god, please no. Can it just be next week and hopefully we've had a good result? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I am sorry to bring it up. Obviously, like I mentioned, that it was a, a really quite a one sided derby at the weekend. Sort of talk us through that because, especially the, you know, over the sort of the long term, the, the decades beforehand, that was a game you, you sort of won with ease so is it still tough to take even though it's been so long since I think it's always tough to take you look at what we did under Solshire who admittedly at the end it was all kind of falling apart but they were actually quite good against City quite a few times and they nicked these results off them and the players seemed up for it this was such a debilitating match to watch as a fan and just watch them slowly fall apart and see the defending all over the place and it, it felt like the players weren't necessarily going for 50-50 balls. You hear all this information about, you know, the club aren't harmonious right now. They're all not behind Ragnick. And you're watching it just going, how do I, how do I deal with this? How do I compartmentalize this result? Because just really, really disappointing, I think. Yeah, and I, I, th- I think that certainly that seemed to be shared by by pretty much everyone there as well. And it's like I said, it's it's sort of like a massive thing, especially you know for for myself and Ben. I know you, you'll probably agree that you grow up you, you grew up with United as this yeah. it was a dynasty, wasn't it? Nothing, nothing yeah. short of powerhouse. it, a powerhouse. And and to see it, you know, as it is now, is it's, it's almost as a, as a football fan, it's just not not great to see. I mean, I wanted to touch on one other thing as well. There was a lot of rumours about Cristiano Ronaldo's omission from the team and all that sort of thing. I didn't know. I I, I don't. Want to say anything like reports because it, you just don't know what's true. But the, the reports were that he he wasn't interested in in playing if he wasn't in the starting lineup. Do you, do you, as from a fan's perspective, do you see there being any sort of truth in that? It's so hard, right? Ronaldo is such a legend. He came back, and you were just so happy because he brought so much joy. And I remember watching him. I think we signed him when I was like 15 years old. We just sold Bex, and we're like, we've got a Ronaldo. It doesn't matter which Ronaldo, we've got one. And it was this, you know, huge thing: nine step overs, beats the same man six times, and all of a sudden, a couple of years later, he's the best player in the world. Bags like 45 goals in a season. Leaves to go to Real Madrid with everyone's blessing. Great. Fantastic striker, wins a bunch over there. We all still love him. Goes to Juventus, scores a bunch of goals. We all still love him. Comes back, and since day one of him coming back, there's just been a cloud. There's been this 
unhappiness and you're not sure if it's him if it's the club if he's as bad as some rumors make out if if he's just one of those players that expects everybody to match his level and they're not but i this is one of those weird ones i don't know what to make i'll be really let down if if the reports are true because you kind of always think ronaldo's got this thing of i'm gonna play in any way and i'm gonna score and i'm gonna prove everybody wrong all the time which he had as a kid, right? You fouled him and he almost winked at the player and just went, cool, I'm going to put you through your that, legs that three brings, more times. That's way too soon for the Rooney thing. I don't care. I don't, <laughs> it still hurts. It still, it still hurts. hurts. Even now, we're not bringing up winking at Cristiano Ronaldo. First footballing memory. <laughs> not, not in this studio. Not in this studio. No, I, I know what you're saying. and you, it's, it's one of those, like you said, you really just don't want it to be true, do you? And I, I think that, that, can be, that can be the worst thing. I mean, obviously, we, I was just looking at it and the top four is such a hot... We were speaking about it at earlier in the show it's such a hot hot heated battle this year in terms of the fact that it's, it's one of the most open ones I can remember and and that the whole Premier League is this season is it is it a genuine concern that you might not be in the Champions League next season I know obviously you're still in it this year and and still very much in a tie against Atletico Madrid but is that a genuine concern for you guys I, I think it is, and I, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you look at what they did when they took Solskjaer out and brought Ragnick in, and Ragnick was supposed to solidify the club, make sure we took top four, and everyone was like, cool, in the summer, we'll build, we'll rebuild this club, but it's falling apart. I mean, Arsenal, I think, have three games in hand and are ahead of us. I think Spurs are only like three points behind us, and we play them this week. West Ham are in the battle, and you're <laughs> yeah. like, as a United fan, you're looking at a bunch of world-class talent just wondering what's going wrong week in, week out. And then you watch it and you're like, it's all broken. What am I, what, what, what am I supposed to think as a fan anymore? It's, but I think, I got to agree, it's wide open. Yeah, I mean, that, that game against Atletico, I think it's, it's, it's next week. It's just absolutely monumental, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's, you've got this weird thing. As a fan, you always want to see the good and the bad. And you're, they're always really high, really tense. You're watching that game just being like, how do we get back into it? How did that Alanga shot go in? But we have this great opportunity now to push on after what I thought was not the best Man United performance. And you've got to win it. They've got to win it. Because if they lose this and they're falling apart in fourth place, could Man United be on their third manager by the end of the season? <laughs> and is that, you know, we're like... We're like Liverpool now. It's insane. <laughs> we just totally flip-flopped with them. It hurts me. City and Liverpool are destroying us. As, well, I think Gary Neville said it's like choosing which man you want to steal your wife, isn't it? Uh. It's choosing between who you want Man City and Liverpool to, to do the best out of both of them. I think that's very famously what he said. I, I, just a question. I... I, I you know, having sort of seen it from the outside, I was I was very, very sort of vocal in not not as a Manchester United fan, of course, but in, in the Oli Oli Gunnar time was very much up at the club. In hindsight, I'm not completely sure it was. I know you you obviously mentioned it; it was the right decision at the time. But looking back, I almost feel like these these results maybe wouldn't have happened as much if Solskjaer was in charge. I, I hate to say it, but you're right. I mean. I think the Watford result was a real nail in the coffin, unfortunately, for him. I don't think you can lose by that many goals to a club like Watford and keep your job at Man United. You just can't. But it, it it's awful because, you know, you t- touch on this, but, you know, this Ragnick move was supposed to get the club through what had been a very tough, turbulent, sudden two or three months. was supposed to get Ronaldo and the big players on side. He's supposed to, you know, it's older, more established manager and, it's been almost the complete opposite. And you look at it and you go, you almost would have trusted Ollie maybe a little bit more to get something because he was getting something out of him. He was just not tactically astute enough 
to play with the Guardiolas and the Klopps. And that's what Man United fans were starting to see is a, a lack of vision, a lack of getting the attacking players in the right places, a lack of movement from your front three. But uh, Ragnick has totally, totally blown up any model that Solskjaer left behind and you're not seeing anything positive from it now. And it's, it, it's brutal because you don't want to talk badly of any manager, but then you're just like, but, but how? How are you getting it so wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Tom. Ben here. Um, I mean, we're talking about Ragnick. He's not only staying to the end of the season. There's this plan long-term for him to stay on in a consultancy role. You know, is, is he a man you'd want at the club at all based off the recent performances? I just, he's the substitute teacher, right? Like you've got a clear <laughs> substitute teacher going on here. All the kids are like throwing paper at each other. And, They've you know, all spot like, names, haven't they? <laughs> but this bloke's going to be in charge long-term. Like long-term is going to take a step upstairs. And when they first muted this, I thought it was a bit odd. You'd say interim manager and you'd be like, you've got the chance to be the manager and you can say that and that'll strike that chord with the players that you might still be here next year. But the... He's only here for six months, and then we're going to put him in a position of power. They clearly don't respect him. And you're like, why what, Why do Man United always have to react? They always move a pawn. They never move their bishop or their knight or their queen. They never think three moves ahead and start going, how do we progress up the board? They're like, well, well that guy's attacking that side, so I'll move this pawn to defend it. And you're like, no, 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 no. Where is the forward thinking? And then they've almost played their hand too far now, so... I don't know how he's going to have the respect of the players when he moves upstairs if he doesn't have it while he's in the dressing room. Do, do you think that's the problem, though? Because it's almost like the, the players know they don't have to outweigh. You know, they, they know the, 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 the manager's not outweigh, and then they can outweigh the manager, can't they? And, and things can be so different yeah. in six months' time. Do you, do you think that's where the problem lies? And, and not, you know, obviously, allegedly, these, these Ronaldo stories, we, we don't know how much truth in them. But do you think if they are true, that's, that's maybe what Ronaldo's thinking, in that actually in six months' time, I could, have, I could have a manager I get along with. So if I don't want to do something for you, I don't really have to. I think with everyone else, I'd say yes. I think Ronaldo is so obsessed with scoring goals and getting as much in his personal tally as he as he is with his team that for him, every game missed is a chance to not move further forward in history. You know, the top goal scorer of all time is probably what's going to go down as one of the greatest strikers to ever live. But he really does count every goal and assist he gets. And I, that's the weird thing about this whole situation, you know. I think it was at Christmas he posted an Instagram thing where he detailed all the goals he'd scored and assists and every personal triumph he'd had and stuff. And then you hear he doesn't want to play against Man City even off the bench. And you're like, is this... But I think for everyone else it is. And you have Fred coming out even in the Brazilian media. And Fred seems to be this happy, friendly team player. That's why all these managers love him. And even he's like, We've got a substitute teacher, so I'm just going to take Friday off. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just bizarre, isn't it, for, for for Manchester United to even be in this situation? I mean, I, I sort of had a thought as well. It seemed like, especially with the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, there was very much a, there's always been an attachment to Ferguson, and obviously no one was ever going to emulate Sir Alex Ferguson. But every manager since has drawn the comparisons to him. Can they do what Ferguson did? When it, when in reality, obviously the footballing landscape has just completely changed. Do you think that there's maybe too much of an attachment to Sir Alex Ferguson at the club fundamentally? I mean, look at Arsenal. They they sort of it was similar with with Arsene Wenger in that they you know he he had these sort of sort of senior roles. But since Mikel Arteta, uh, Arteta, I should Arteta. say Arteta has, yeah. uh, has come in <laughs> and done things his own way, there doesn't seem to be any relation to it. And, and Arsenal seem to be on their way back to to that top four club. Yeah, it's 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 
it's living in the past immensely. It's this kind of lean on this dynasty mode that they seem to want to be in. And, you know, as a, as a, as a fan, but also as somebody who grew up in the States who watches how like, uh, teams are built there where they can't go down and like there's real long-term thought when you get bad they strip everything back and rebuild from the from the bottom up my view on a football club like this is right who do we want in charge you see what liverpool did with klopp all the research they did to bring him in finding out if he'd be a good fit for the city for the players for the club hierarchy itself guardiola man city spent like 10 years laying groundwork to get this guy in they set a perfect situation up for him and Man United keep almost going to mercenaries or people that they think will live this Fergie mold. But the reality is they need a manager, be it a 10-cart, be it whoever it is, to come in and just be like, this is my club, this is the way we are going to run things, and buy into it. You know, Chelsea have it. They bring a manager in. He only ever lost three years, but it's his club for three mm-hmm. years. They play a style of football built a certain way, and they have quite authoritarian managers. And Man United need to get somebody that can stamp their their view of how football's played. And, you know, you're really, as a fan, you're really hopeful we can get through this year, qualify for the Champions League, and that they'll put somebody in long-term that has a, a footballing vision that plays a certain style and just brings a bit of joy back to watching the team. All right, Tom. Well, stick your neck out on the line here. <laughs> what is the answer? Is it is it Ten Hag or is there someone else you've got in mind? I mean, it, I... I I think for me, it's still Pochettino. And this is a little bit of having watched that Spurs side under him and the football they played and what he got out of players that I never thought could do what they did. And he had a couple great players like Harry Kane that they could base their game around and play to their strengths. You look at what's happened at PSG, right? It's a tough situation, but his team is still technically performing. They're doing relatively well, and just about everybody in that dressing room is an ego. And at Man United, you have to toe the line between egos and footballing philosophy. And to me, he's the best manager to come in and do that. Also, I will be okay with us losing a match every now and then if we play good attacking football and we stick to what has been the ethos of Man United since Matt Busby was the manager. And I know it's annoying to be like, use wingers, attack down the side, but we have great wingers. We always have great wingers. And we have players that can score goals. And we have midfielders that can pass the ball, Paul Pogba, if they're played in the midfield and not as a striker against Man City or whatever position he in this weekend. So Pochettino, for me, is a guy I'd love to see in charge of the club. But I don't think a lot of Man United fans would. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because he, he didn't like. I think uh, you know, PSG fans were eager to get him, and like you said, he hasn't set the world alight there. But he has very basically done the things that they need him to do. I know, obviously, they play they play Real Madrid very shortly, which in what is just such a huge game okay. is now, I and mean, it's just a star-studded players everywhere you look. So it's such oh. a such a far cry from Wicked Wonders we were talking about oh, earlier. Oh, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> Don't be like that. <laughs> uh, but but it's, it's interesting that that he's your man, sort of thing. And and I I don't think I don't think you know I think Man United fans actually probably would would agree with that but I mean if, if it's not going to be him it certainly needs to be someone who, who has the characteristic of maybe similar to I, I mean my mentions but always been Graham Potter before I think I think that mould is sort of perfect you love for that him. shout I do you love that I shout do Graham I think, think that mould's perfect for him I really do I mean I've, I've just seen Tom laughing so obviously it's not always going to go down with the Man United fans but, but I, I, I think someone who it, the big names don't work clearly for Manchester United do you know what I mean and the old players don't work either so it's almost nothing to lose isn't it if you know what I mean I only worry when you say Graham Potter that we're going to get another David Moyes situation yeah. where you come in from a slightly smaller club. You, and you, you talk about that from, like a, from a Man U perspective or a West Ham perspective, though, because they're they're in Europe, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Shh. Shh. They're not ahead of us yet. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I, I just, I just, of course. But, uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting situation. And uh, and Tom, I certainly hope, for, hope for your sake that Manchester United can uh, can pick their form up and and hopefully even uh, hopefully progress in the Champions League next week and, and get those top four. But it's it's been an absolute pleasure to be joined by you tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Have a lovely evening. Thank you, Tom. Really appreciate it. That's Tom, Tom Figuring there from Very Vised Opinions, a Manchester United fan for all his sins. Um, it's, it's hard to... It's, it's almost hard, Ben, isn't it? Because you, th- there's not much sympathy had with Man United fans, is there, after how vocal they were when, when they were, obviously, as incredible as they were. But it is hard, I think, objectively, as a football fan, to not feel a little bit sorry for a team that had everything to go from where they were to this. Uh, I, th- I think you're being quite generous. I think that that's... that's I just like Tom, man. Ma- you know, Man United have gone from winning titles to being a top four challenging side. They haven't got relegated. They haven't lost all their money. They haven't plummeted down the divisions. They haven't ceased to exist like Berry. You know, there's, there's got to be some sort of relative thinking here. Yeah, and, and, yeah, know, okay, yeah. As a Wickham fan, I'm sure you're realistic you're the same. You can't feel too sorry for them because of what the team, the team that you support No, no they did give it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think the thing that frustrates me at the moment is this whole thing about... The, you know, the Man United way, right? And how a certain it, manager so wouldn't this, be... This is my thing with that as well. If, if if I can, I just think there isn't actually a really a Man United way. No. There was a Matt Busby way. There was a Sir Alex Ferguson way. Yeah. But there's not a Man United way. They are three completely separate things. Mm-hmm. And the sooner they realise that, I think that the better. And don't you think that for a team that hasn't won a major domestic trophy in so long or hasn't won a title in so long you can't be in a position to turn away nearly, isn't it? Yeah. yeah to turn away someone like Conte because he might only be there for two years because it's not the long term Man United's but way that's not what happens you're not yeah. in the position to be like that you need you need quick success and you need it now because that's the only way it's going to change this dark cloud that's over the club but there's nothing I mean we were speaking about this last week about when you know in, in the, the big news that Abramovich is selling Chelsea weren't mm-hmm. we and, and that actually you know and he gets he got berated a lot for this, this chopping and changing the management Two, cha- two Champions League's five league titles, however many FA Cups later, you'll take it, wouldn't you? Look, what's, yeah, ask any Chelsea fan. It's been the golden age to be a Chelsea fan. Mm. They, they couldn't care less how many it's, managers it's, they've had. It's almost like Wickham losing Ainsworth and then every manager appointment after having to be one for seven years. The, the circumstances exactly. were completely different then, weren't they? Exactly. And, and when, when Alex Ferguson took over the job, when he did, it was a completely different Man Liverpool United. Liverpool were on their perch. Exactly. They? Completely yeah. different Man United to what it is now. Man United were a winning machine when he left. And the sooner they realised that you need to just win at all costs when you're a big team these days, whether that you... Whether, I mean, not everyone can have a Klopp that stays there for six years, or Guardiola who stays there for four or five years... Sometimes you need a Chelsea. We had, you did have a Conte come in, won a trophy, won a Premier League trophy. Yeah. And even though he left, there's a core group of players that, that benefited off that for three, four years to come because they were Premier League winners. Mm-hmm. And Man United need to just employ a winner, whether he stays there for three or four years. They, they, I mean, the, the best, you'd argue, the best, two, the best period they've had was, was Van Gaal followed by Mourinho. Arguably, yeah. I know it went horribly wrong for Mourinho, yeah. but Jose, to me, looks like he's slightly lost his edge. Yeah, maybe then, but even know. then he won them three trophies. And he won them trophies, and you can't say... You can ask many United fans how Van they Hull won the Van Gaal won him the... 
the FA, the FA Cup, Cup wasn't it? didn't he? Got sat the day after. Yeah. And then, I mean, even, even with Mourinho, they finished second. The yeah. year with Mourinho. I know it was about 30, 30 million points behind Man City, but they still finished second. So it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? The, the, the thing, the whole situation going on there is, is fascinating to watch from a, from a neutral perspective. But, uh, you know, Manchester United fans will certainly be hoping they can pick themselves up, dust themselves down, and maybe progress <laughs> to the next round against Atletico Madrid. Uh, we, you know, normally I'd say we've kept our, clo- our cards fairly close to our chest in, in that section. I don't think that's the case. Um, some uh, opinions of both the popular and unpopular nature, I suppose. <laughs> I, th- I think we'll, we'll stay on that sort of trend, shall we? It's Offside Opinions up next. Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. The Football Show on River Radio. This is Extra Time. You're listening to The Football Show on River Radio and it's time for my personal favourite feature of the evening. It is, of course, our offside opinions. This will see one of us submit a footballing thought that goes against the grain for many people before attempting to justify it whilst under fire from the rest of the panel. Normally it would be the rest of the panel, but Ed's decided to stick his feet up and have a day off this week. Hasn't Once he? again. Once again, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Still picking up a pay, pay packet though, I know. <laughs> All jokes aside, obviously, very sorely missed Mr Talton if you are listening. This evening um on with the unpopular opinion then this is obviously my turn so it feel i feel like it's pretty much always my turn on on this show it's your job isn't it it's my yeah yeah it's in the job description yeah. Bizarrely, yeah. um i think my so my unpopular opinion is i believe that technology in the game full stop that's not just var i'll preface it by saying that i'll stick stick my stick my neck on the line it's not just var the whole of technology in football needs to be stripped back, removed, and let's just let referees make mistakes, cause problems, and that's because that's half of what makes football beautiful. It's an incredible statement to make. It really is. Um, it, it may be one of the, the, probably the most incredible statement you've made in yeah. this series, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, Do you okay. in, in the history of the show? Or yeah, <laughs> and you've got quite a good history of that. But, <laughs> right, okay, I'll take you back. Okay, well, right. this is the only way I'm going to try and argue this. Mm-hmm. Take you back to the summer of 2010. Oh, okay, okay yeah. Oh, and, I know what you're going to say. Oh, no, no, let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> and England are playing Germany in the World Cup. And Frank Lampard has had a clear goal disallowed at 2-1 to take the game to 2-2. I can see myself 2-2. in my primary school uniform. You're there in your primary school uniform, young Will. How did you Fearing feel? Fear <laughs> obviously. How did you feel at that moment? Yeah, no, heartbroken, mate. Heartbroken. And what yeah. were you saying at the time? What was everyone saying? Oh, goal line technology. Bring it in, we yeah. We need it. Set platter, what so, are you doing? Yeah. So you're saying to get rid of that as well? Yep, 100%. And I'll, I'll, and, counter, and you, I'll counter your argument with one argument. So um, I'll take you back a bit more recent, mate, if that's okay, to, <laughs> to the summer of, of 2021, where, uh, where Raheem Sterling and Harry Kane both scored to, to break German hearts at Euro 2020 in the round of 16. Mm-hmm. That was sweet, wasn't it? Yeah. That was sweet, because revenge is a dish best served cold. Yes, but... And that was, that was the redemption of that moment. And this is my thing with the argument is, and a lot of people disagree with this, and you're well within your right to if you do, but football as, as a whole, over a, a sustained long period of time, these decisions that are berated by VAR and, and you know, are correctly given by VAR, like the, which are in the Carabao Cup final a couple of weeks ago, all that sort of thing, they are balanced out across a sustained period of time. Like a, that, that, the, the Frank Lampard one you gave is a perfect example. They score to make it 
to you know to, to go through in, in the 2010 World Cup. We then, 11 years later, <laughs> uh, admittedly that's quite a long time, get our just desserts and, and absolutely destroyed them. And that for me was what made it even sweeter. It was redemption. It was, a, it was a real redemption arc. And don't get me wrong, it's always sweet beating the Germans as an English football mm. fan, isn't it? And it probably still would have been sweet regardless, but there was something extra added by it, added to it, given the fact that the last time we played them at a major tournament, that's what happened. I just feel like to get rid of all technology is, you could, is you, a step too far. I think VAR, when you're talking about VAR, I feel like VAR can be improved. And I feel like maybe you could just whistle it down to even offside decisions. Because ultimately, what a foul is, is so subjective. It's yeah. subjective, and that's hard. Whereas offside, and, and even offside, they're getting it wrong, right? But, but the offside but way, rule's not clear, though. It's not, but there's a way to get that a lot clearer. clearer yeah. I mean, my, my idea the other day was have it on the feet. Mm. Because all this, oh, the shoulder, or a goal-scoring part of your body, everyone just looks at the feet, don't yeah, they? That's, if that's, you had it on the feet, been the line, you yeah. could you could judge the line and no one could have any person, okay, his shoulder's ahead, but that's not the rule, it's the foot. So I think to get rid of all technology is a step too far, I have but to say. Did you, because, do you not remember, though, when there was like a horrific offside decision that Alan Shearer would be moaning about on match of the day? That there was a, there was a beauty of, of going into your work or your school or the pub or wherever you went into yeah. before VR was a thing. And going, how's he not seen that? How's it? But we still do that now. No, I know, we? I know, but that's what I'm saying. How's so what's the VAR changed? Official scene. So that? what's changed? Because it does work on, on in some occasions. It does very much work. I, the think, goal it line called, technology, I think it caused more controversy. Right, goal line than what technology. It was Works. Sheffield United. I mean, there was Villa. one time. Sheffield United. There was one time. Was that because the watch wasn't turned? That's, up? That sent them down, though. That was, that's a very coincidental. I mean, if they had won two or three more games, that's easy. <laughs> you know, I just think to get rid of all of it is a step too far. I really do. I feel I like just, this would be a shame to not have utilised the technology we have. You see how it works in other sports. I know you can say, but it doesn't work in football. But ultimately, things like goal line technology does work. It is proven to work. And I feel like VAR, whether the current concept of VAR is wrong because I, work in other I countries agree as well, VAR, VAR if you can get it right and you can make it less complicated and more simple of oh it's just for offsides or it's just for penalties or it doesn't have to be every single minute detail in, involving the goal then I think it can definitely be I, I, I think this is massively as I, I know I completely appreciate you're a fan of a similar ilk in terms of being a, a lower league football fan but I think I still get that feeling of, do you know what I mean? You come away from a game and you've but, been completely robbed. Torquay played Wellstone the other week and we scored, in the last minute, we we scored a, a goal that I believe was perfectly fine. The ref said it had gone out for a, for a goal mm-hmm. kick. I still don't think it had, but I'd rather that than have had the, the cameras coming out and checking it. Do you know what I mean? I just don't know because I feel like if Wickham had VAR last season, they wouldn't have got relegated. It's very Really? Is that, that's a hell of a there statement. were so many decisions that cost us the game in close games which wouldn't have happened in the Premier League mm. uh, you know and I can be bitter about it and say oh, you can say oh, it's a biased opinion but I think very biased opinion well very yeah. biased opinion but shout out Tom Pickett yeah. but, um, <laughs> but no I, I just think it'd be, it's a sh- it'd be a shame to get rid of technology as a whole mm. I think I wouldn't agree with that. What I would say is we can change it and it does need to be changed, but specifically VAR, it does need to be altered but, but and made in, in and more this, simplified. in this period we're changing it though, that you're just going to see more and more problems and more and more, and it's, it's never going to be perfect. It's just it? a tethering issue though, isn't it? Because eventually you'd like to think that a few years down the line it does get right, but surely you need that initial period but did, of struggle. But, but did people not say that when VR was brought in three or four years ago, however long it was? I d- <laughs> Maybe tw- so, summer but, 2018 it was but, brought but, in. But they've constantly changed 
how they use it, haven't they? I, I think VAR for me should. I've always felt it should just be offsides, and it should just be or really clear and obvious. Very but that's that's just clear and obvious thing. Yeah. Maybe you have to scrap it. The whole thing, yeah. the fouls. You have to accept the fouls of referees' decisions, and the only thing you can really judge is a clear line, like an offside. The ball's going out of play. They, I, I saw one saying if the lines like touch. It should be on side. Do you know what I mean? Like if they're, 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 they're that thick, close, uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's. And I, I, I see 100%. what you mean. But do, do you not? Maybe I'm romanticising the past a little bit, but I just think that the the decisions they it's like a what goes around comes around thing. Do you know what I mean? There are decisions that you get against you and that you get for you. And I, I'm I should be an advocate for VAR more than anyone after what happened in the playoff final for Torquay last year when we were we were literally robbed of a place in the football league. And again, that might sound bitter, but two perfectly good goals were ruled out. Do you know what I mean? So you I did lose on penalties. You yeah, did. I know. All right, yeah. but that's let's forget about that but do you know what I mean you know what I'm saying though in that if you have VAR it's a completely different ball game and even then I just don't think tech is the right thing for, for football it just I do, rugby fine cricket fine I just don't think it suits football I just think short term bias if you'd ask yourself this question 20 years ago obviously maybe not you yeah. if you'd asked <laughs> yeah. a, a 25 year old football fan yeah. in the 90s can can we have goal on technology or some sort of VAR thing? But yes, absolutely, because mm. we deserved a goal on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, just yeah. think like it's, it, we've got to a point now that we we'd only miss it when it's gone. Yeah, and I like, see what I, you're I saying. I just feel like te- you know you're, you're saying it now because there's a few decisions, but years ago it would have been a different different story. I think you might be right, mate. Well, I, I'm still not conceding that one, but <laughs> you, you made a very very convincing argument. We're rapidly running out of time here on River Radio, though. On extra time, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you at the same time next week. Yeah.